Welcome back, listeners, to another episode of The New Standard. And I have my partner in crime on my left who looks like a digital image, <laughs> Neil Long. And we're hiding our images because technical difficulties. But I'm not Denzel Washington, and he's not Brad Pitt. So the NFTs, we should make an NFT out of this logo. That would be interesting. Uh, you're seeing our digital likeness in the form of the insignia for the particular show but later for technical difficulties we want to bring you a great post wrap-up show of the draft and the title of the show is did the Steelers ace the draft and with that being said thank you everybody who for chimed in for uh, the show last week we did three shows the picking show was extremely popular we got thousands of people to tune into that show so that's great for us. We are still growing. And so that's great for us. I want to thank everybody out there in Steeler Nation that chimed in and joined us for the three shows last week. So if you want to join the YouTube experience, you can go to YouTube, do a search for Lance Williams and Steelers and the New Standard or Neil Kulong Steelers and the New Standard. If you want to find the podcast, you can go to Apple Podcasts. You can go to Google Store, Google Play Store. You can go to Spotify or any other podcast platform and do a search for Steelers and the new standard. So big up to all of you guys for helping us have our biggest week this far since we've been starting the show, but let's jump right into it, Neil, and let's jump into the news and notes. What's your thoughts about the DeMonte Casey signing former cowboy safety with career? I think about 15 interceptions. What's your thoughts on his signing and how does he play into the over, overall thought process with this defense, and how do you think he'll be utilized? I think that the main thing with Casey is depth and versatility. And what that means it, to me is all moves that we've seen from the Steelers to this point uh, in the offseason really suggest they want to go as many as like nine, maybe 10 deep in their secondary. It seems like uh, everybody that they got uh, that it's going to be um, on their final roster is going to play a role of some type within their defense. And I think Casey fits with that um, along with everybody else that they brought in. I mean, they, they brought in what four um, unrestricted free agents that they signed and they retained Terrell Edmonds. I don't think um, the way everyone wants to kind of make this out to be, uh, I don't think it's as dramatic um, as in, well, you need to sign him now because you're looking for a replacement for Edmonds next year. I think it's a body. I think he he's a player that they were interested in, and they they had the opportunity to sign him um, after uh, the compensatory um, level of free agency ended. So they're not uh, sacrificing their comp formula. Not that they're going to have one, <laughs> but it's worth uh, diving into to that part of it. I think they they got a solid player uh, with some experience, and he actually looks and and uh, seems to have the profile of a lot of the veteran types of, of defensive backs that they bring in uh, later in the off season. So I, it's a smart move. I think it, it's, it fits in line with what they want to do. And we're going to see uh, a lot more of how this is all going to work uh, come preseason, uh, if not having to wait until week one to really see it. But I, I think all indications to this point are that this is a team that's going to, they're, they're going to throw a lot of different stuff. Uh, out against opposing offenses on a week-to-week basis. And the, the bulk of this team, the strategy is really going to be in their secondary as opposed to their front seven the way that it has been the last, uh, you know, 
40, 50 years, something like that, they're going to be much more versatile and they're really emphasizing uh, depth along their, their entire secondary. I think the thing we've seen with the Steelers, I guess, over the past five years is they have ability to get to the pass rusher. If you figure if T.J. Watt remains healthy, Cam Hayward remains healthy, possibly if you get back Stephon to it, that that ability to get to the pass, to, to the quarterback, excuse me, will remain. I think when you look at the modern game, and sometimes I hate to use, quote, unquote, the modern game, I think versatility in your secondary is paramount at this point. You need to have depth and you need to have good players and you have to have smart, versatile football players so you can provide differences of coverage looks to defenses. You cannot give defense, excuse me, offenses a steady diet of anything uh, in the current NFL. The more flexible players that you have to do different things, the better off you are. And like you said, I love your point about schematically when you just bring in good football players, especially football players in the secondary who have ball skills because he has some interceptions on his resume, then I think that helps. But I think I, I love your point as well. I don't think it says anything about Terrell Edmonds. I think the contract of Terrell Edmonds says everything about Terrell Edmonds. It says that Terrell Edmonds is going to play on a year for a year, then they're going to look for a possible solution at that quote-unquote strong safety position moving forward after that let me ask you one question before we move on to the next topic about Devin Bush does KZ have any um connections to any of the coaching staff <laughs> I I don't know um that's a good question you're you're catching me flat-footed with that I I don't know um and I, and, I asked, and, I, and, I, and I didn't mean to do that. I just asked. I'm just wondering out loud because you know how yeah, that works. Yeah, that's a fair question. That's, that's a good question. I, I really don't know. Um, I don't know a whole lot about him as a player. I know that um, it clearly he's not a, a highly sought-after free agent, but we also know that any veteran defensive back of four-plus years in the NFL, uh, especially this time of the year, if it's not affecting – the team in, in terms of their compensatory formula and the, the value is right. Uh, they're going to get signed. You know, it, it's, you need a lot of defensive backs in today's game. This is a topic we've covered a lot, Lance, over, over the months. It's hard to play in the secondary in today's NFL and you need veterans. You need guys at a low cost because you need a lot of guys. Um, I, I think it's more that than anything. Um, I kind of thought the same thing of them signing Miles Killebrew last year. They they retained him as well, uh, more of a special teams guy. But again, veteran depth in the secondary gives them more versatility, uh, more ability to run deeper into packages. Um, if he's crossed paths with Terrell Austin before, I I, I Terrell Austin, excuse me, I I wouldn't uh, I wouldn't know. But um, I I think he as a player, I think he fits a lot of what it seems like they want to do. With neither one of us are surprised that Devin Bush, that the fifth year option was declined. I mean, I think we both agree that he has not played to the level of getting paid potentially, you know, 10 to $12 million on a one year contract. With that being said, we saw that the Steelers broke the mold with Edmonds in terms of bringing a player back on a one year contract that did not sign a fifth year option. Do you think that's on the table for Devin Bush or Devin Bush's future with the Pittsburgh Steelers rests solely on how he performs this year? I think the answer to that can be both. Um, you look at it like this. 
we talked extensively uh, about Terrell Edmonds' option and how difficult it seemed like that would have been. He would have been right on the cusp in terms of market value for what he would have been scheduled to make uh, with his career progression to date, which I, I think was, what did we say, $6.75 million, somewhere in there. Um, the fact that they just signed Terrell Edmonds for $2.5 million uh, really goes to show that the, the value and the marketability of that position is not nearly as high as we thought that it would be. And I can say this, if they're only valuing Terrell Edmonds at $2.5 million, maybe even a, a little bit of a leverage play on their part, uh, to get Edmonds in to to kind of get him to play for a contract again, um, if if that's the level of value that they put on him, I, I don't I don't think you could put eighteen bucks an hour on Tevin Bush. I mean, that was that was a pretty bad year. Um, there's no doubt about yeah. that. I mean, it's, it's laughable to even think. Um, are they going to Are they going to commit themselves to a guaranteed ten million dollar payday for Devin Bush next year? Absolutely not. There's no way you would do that. Now, that doesn't answer the question whether he would be in their long-term plans or not. So I, I would say this. It, it, that's that's going to be more up to Devin Bush. Um, it, it's, you know, I'm not going to, you know, go aim and blow the belt here or anything, but he was pretty bad last year. Um, it, it was not, not above board play. It was not solid play. It wasn't mediocre play. He was bad. And that said, you you have to worry about that um, as a team. And I, I also think, though, this team is is looking to uh, acquire and has acquired players to fill in if Devin Bush isn't going uh, to, to pass the grade anymore. As you would say, um, you, you know, pedigree uh, is, is an important factor in all of this. And I get the pedigree along with the capital that's been invested. They didn't just use one pick on Devin Bush. They moved up quite a bit and, and sacrificed quite a bit to acquire Devin Bush um, it, initially in the draft. Uh, he's not even coming close to living up to that. So you have to worry about having egg on your face. But at the same time, you've got a new general manager um, who I presumably is going to be in charge by the time they would make a decision on Devin Bush next year. So the, I think the grace period, as far as his pedigree is over, uh, he's going to have to yes, earn his I agree. And that said too, it also means that, you know, he has the opportunity to hit free agency. So if it really is his knee, if it really is that he's, he didn't respond well to that, uh, whatever it is that happened and he goes out and he, he plays like an all pro player. Well, you've got the tag, you know, you, you can tag him. Um, that's not, I wouldn't consider that to be a bad loss. It's probably a net loss of like, Three million, I, I somewhere in there, I would say the the cost of the tag versus what his option would have been. Uh, you'd be able to retain a player who'd be, you know, theoretically worth that money. I'd say that's a win overall for the Steelers. So this is certainly the right move. Um, if he plays like a five million dollar player, I don't know if they would give him five million dollars. Um, that's kind of the tough thing right now. Um, you, you've invested a ton in him as it is. Maybe he wants to start somewhere else. If uh, you know, get a chance somewhere else. Maybe it just isn't working for him. But also, too, he's got a new linebackers coach. Maybe Brian Flores really connects with him. They do some great things together, and and he boosts himself back up. Uh, I, I don't know. I mean, anything's really on the table. Uh, they'll give him a shot in camp, but I, I think the hook is going to be pretty fast this year. I don't disagree. And sometimes in life, you know, the timing in terms of life sometimes always it is not necessarily fair. Um, you know, had he been injured earlier than this, 
the situation would be a lot different, right? He could have had a year before the year that they have to make the decision on the fifth-year option to play. So last year he played like a player that was injured, and he just got injured at the wrong time. And right now I think his future with the Steelers is up in the air because I'm looking at the fifth-year option projections on over the cap, and they do a great job of breaking it down for the 2019 class. And you look at a Devin White, and they break it down in terms of basic playtime, one Pro Bowl, or more than one Pro Bowl, and they figure out what the option will be. And so for Devin White, who was drafted, I think the what, the number five selection in that draft? Ten. Okay, Devin White. Devin, no, Devin, Devin yes, White. Five, five or six? Yeah, some, somewhere around there. I think he was five. I think they have it in order as well. Because Kyler Murray was one, Bosa was two, Quinnen Williams was three. So I think Devin White was fifth. So he, they break it down in terms of basic playtime, one Pro Bowl, and greater than one Pro Bowl. And so playtime is defined as these players will be eligible for a fifth-year base salary calculated from the average of the third to 20th highest salaries at their position over the past five seasons, provided their snap counts are over the three seasons meet one of the following criteria. 75% or greater in two of their first three seasons, an average of 75% or greater over all three seasons. Now, Devin Bush is not in that category. He's just in the basic category, which is players who do not meet any of the requirements below will be eligible for a 50-year base salary calculated from the average of the third to 25th highest salaries. His fifth-year option would be, we're going to just round it up, would be $11 million. Devin White's, by comparison, would be 11.6. And so what we can see there is there is no way in the world, and I agree, there's no way in the world Devin Bush has earned $10.8 million on a one-year contract. There might not be anything that he can do in one season alone, save become the best inside linebacker in football, or a potential defensive player of the year where they might even, where they would consider anything close to that amount of money. The young man is in a bad position, but but the only thing I think that works out for him is that the Steelers have a new precedent with Terrell Edmonds. We'll give you a smaller deal on a one year, approve it, and then we'll reassess when we get there. I think that is definitely in play for him, depending on how well he plays. But in terms of a contract, a multi-year contract, I, I think that's completely off the table for Devin Bush at this point. And no one is surprised that he did not get the option. Yeah, I, I'd say that there's more of a case to argue of who would finish second behind Jarvis Jones is the most obvious declination of a fifth-year option, uh, Devin Bush or Artie Burns. Um, hey, let's let's save that one, Lance. Maybe, maybe that's a good June topic to get into. Um, Bush, I think, did more than than Burns did, but it it's just, it's the money. I mean, eleven million for Devin Bush is laughable. I mean, I, I think it's Devin Bush absolutely had laughable last year. I'm not sure why. Hey, he's to me, he's a minimum level player. Um, 
it, I, I was big on him coming out of college. There's a lot of things that haven't happened. Um, I'm not trying to write the guy's career off. There, there's somebody on, on uh, Twitter who can't get over the fact that he doesn't have what this guy considers to be prototypical length for, a, for an outstanding defensive player, which seems really weird to me. But um, oh. because of that, the guy won't give Devin Bush an inch. And it's like, okay, I mean, I, I get it. Um, he probably should have been better than what he is, even if he's not the next Jack Lambert, you know. Um, he, he probably should have done a lot more than he did pre-injury if we're talking $11 million for one year. Uh, he's not anywhere close to that. It's laughable. And I, I thought, if anything, um, the Steelers and Kevin Colbert were just being polite in not uh, making the announcement uh, to decline that option um, ahead of the deadline. I think they made that op- that I think they made that decision in all honesty in, in November. I mean, it, it, it was that. Yeah, that, 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 yeah. They're, 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 they're looking at the tape. They made that decision when they went out and got Miles Jack. I mean, they knew yeah. they knew what they they knew well, what they, they were going to do. They um, moved on <laughs> to that point. It was, it was, yes, look, they, I, I I wish Devin Bush the best. I I hope he does well. I hope that uh, it really was just his knee, and it's something that uh, he's fixed physically and mentally. I hope he goes out and and plays really well, even if he doesn't play in Pittsburgh. I hope he can get paid elsewhere. Like you know, I ninety nine times out of a hundred, I'm rooting for the guy uh, to to maximize his value and to get paid. Um, I don't I don't wish any ill harm for for Devin Bush. I just mean for the sake of the team that that I'm following and covering, um, they need a lot better play, to put it mildly, for for that level of money. And right now, I I don't he's not going to get more than a one year deal with anybody. He might get two because of the pedigree, but nobody's investing guaranteed money in that guy. Not today. That's for sure. And that's and that's the whole thing about the performance pay pedigree uh, formula or the way that I think of it. It's fluid like it's it's not static like performance pay pedigree. It all kind of flows on this continuum at sometimes your pedigree helps you. Your pay goes up. Your performance alters. It kind of all flows on this continuum. And I'm looking at APY. And of course, APY is just one thing to look at. That's average per year in terms of salary. I'm looking at Roquan Smith at a 4.6 and Devin Bush at 4.7. And to your point, I think everybody in the National Football League would take Roquan Smith at 4.6 over Devin Bush at 4.7. And looking at some of these. Smith over Devin Bush in any amount for either one of them. Yes. I, I, I can't find a point where I would value Bush over Smith. Yeah, there is none. Wow, and Tremaine Edmonds is making three point one on an APY. I mean, there, there's no. I mean, when, when <laughs> there, there's no way. So it'll be interesting to see how this rounds, what this is when we're talking about this next year uh, with Devin Bush. But one thing I wanted to uh, comment on: what was your thoughts? Um, I thought it was quite touching, uh, showing, seeing Kevin Colbert show uh, the level of emotion. Uh, that he did in his press conference. And I know we've we've all known for quite some time, uh, famously, you know, new edition, is this the end, girl? We all knew famously that, you know, Kevin Colbert, his tenure as GM, quote-unquote, for the Pittsburgh Steelers was, was coming to an end. But it really is coming to an end. And I, I thought it was awesome to see the emotion 
um, that he showed. You see the closeness and the connection between Tomlin and him. Um, I thought it was awesome. And, you know, seeing that, what's your thoughts on that, the emotion that he showed in the press conference and the genuineness, I think, of the two guys, you know, as part of the pyramid of the structure that builds the Steelers. And how soon is the Steelers, how soon are the Steelers, you think, in your opinion, going to make the decision of who's going to be the next GM? Um, I'll, I'll say this. The, the times that I've I've spoken with and worked with Kevin Colbert, you legitimately get a sense that this is the this is a guy that you're hanging out with. You know, it, it's like this is another dude in line somewhere, and he's a fun guy to have. Like the type of guy that you'd, you'd like to be on a plane next to. You know, sitting on a on a, a, a cross country flight. He's a great conversationalist. But he is just so incredibly down to earth. You wouldn't have the first idea of what he did for a living. I feel Kevin Colbert did that at an extraordinary level for a very uh, a, a rare amount of time. There are general managers who have been and will be in their jobs longer than Colbert was with his. And there will be some who might have had more overall team success. But the fact that we could count on one hand the amount of people that fit both of those criteria, it, it goes to show truly how masterful of a job Kevin Colbert did as a general manager in the National Football League. Um, he's a great guy. He's somebody that if if you have a problem with him, you don't know who he is. You haven't met him. You haven't spoken to him. If you criticize his job, okay, um, I guarantee you he'll be the first person to criticize his job. He's done an extraordinary job, all things considered, certainly relative to his peers. The fact that he got emotional the way that he did, pretty much for the first time that we've ever seen publicly, yeah. it speaks volumes to the amount of work and effort he put into what he did into his craft. And it, as you might recall, Lance, the part that he choked up at, he was talking about Dan Rooney and he was talking about adding more Lombardis to the trophy room. That's always what Colbert preached. That's always what he spoke about uh, it, to a, a certain degree. Mike Tomlin had that mentality but he was reflecting colbert's mentality as well that was not just purely mike tomlin you know when i walk down the hall every morning i, I don't walk past russian championships i walk past lombardi's that's a colbert line that's the way that he is he, he's a team first guy and he is a, a phenomenal leader manager the steelers are going to miss him regardless of of who they hire um, he doesn't even have big shoes to fill. It's just impossible to fill them. That said, um, oh, go ahead. That I'm would sorry. be a significant loss uh, for the Steelers to some degree. Saying all of this, I would think a better move for them would be to make the, an internal hire, somebody who is a part of that culture, or 
hint, hint, Lance, somebody who's been a part of that culture before and perhaps got more experience elsewhere, but is looking to kind of, you know, swing on back to the nest. Is your hint um, my hint that I gave you a few weeks ago? Yeah, I, I, th- I, I, I think at the same time, Doug Whaley is, is just as qualified a candidate as anybody else who's on that list. Um, the fact that he's been in the building gives him the edge over the other 35 candidates that they talk to um, who have never worked for the Steelers before. There are a couple who are like that. But by and large, I, I think um, we, we've seen a lot of good things from Omar Khan. We know what his resume looks like. We know what Brandon Hunt's resume looks like. And we know what Doug Whaley's, the Doug Whaley's resume looks like. I think between the three of them, um, I would imagine if they're all still there and it's this long of a search, I almost feel like there's there's something coming for uh, all three of them in in some level to some degree, and I I think Whaley makes just as much sense as the other ones do. I wouldn't be surprised if he is the guy. I'll say this from you know working in corporate America for years, it is very hard to teach culture, and if you can hire someone that is highly competent that you don't have to teach your culture to. You do that because, you know, that cultural translation can be very difficult. Last word on Colbert. Hall of Famer? No, but that's not because of Colbert. They, they don't put general managers in the Hall of Fame. Not um, as contributors? Not at all? They, they um, would be I, eligible for the contributor distinction, but the the ones who are getting in there are, are not general managers per se. I mean, Scout, you know, Pat Scout Bowen, Jerry so. Jones, these guys are far more than just contributors. And the contributors are doing a, a, a ton. Basically, they are owners and business people, or they are um, evolution-generating coaches. How about, how or, about, how about is, is Gil Brandt a comp for Kevin Colbert? Uh, whole other show. Um, does Gil or, Brandt or, or, deserve to be in the Hall of Fame? Uh, not ahead of Bill Nunn. I know that. I I'll be pissed about that forever. That's fucking ridiculous. What, what, There's they both no reason there. that should have happened. They both got there though. They both got there, but it looks to me like they put Nunn in because of the the sheer unadulterated backlash. People like myself gave the hall of fame in writing after that simply because what did gil brandt do he, he, he took how many draft picks and, and, and drafted a, a quasi dynasty with the cowboys what did bill nunn do he transformed the face of the game through his his ability his contacts gil brandt scouted football players and that was it that's all he did and he's tearing his own legacy down now with every interview he gives today it, it long, long rant. I'll save that for another time. Bill Nunn should have been in there 20 years ago, and I don't think Gil Brandt should be in there at all. I think he's living off a legacy from a popular team that that hypes him up to be far more than he really was uh, in, in terms of everything. If you put Gil Brandt in the Hall of Fame, there's a laundry list of people that need to be in the Hall of Fame, and I, I don't think that they should be in there either, but we can't prevent that now. If you wanted to give anybody... Uh, the the contributory distinction 
Bill Nunn should have been first and maybe one of one of one, one of two. Um, I'm not sure it's Gil Brandt at this point. It, that That's just my opinion. Um, I understand Cowboys fans aren't going to agree with me, but what I know is that Gil Brandt couldn't hold Bill Nunn's jock, and Bill Nunn was a newspaper reporter, not a scout. So <clears throat> goes goes to show where this game went, how it evolved, and that the Steelers are without question the tip of the spear of that. Today's NFL is largely due to the efforts of Dan Rooney, of Bill Nunn, and of Chuck Knoll. And you really can't argue that. It, it, it goes back to the 1970s the Steelers. Cowboys, they don't hold the candle of that. Well, let's switch reels and let's look at the undrafted free agent signings before we get to the overall topic of the show that the Steelers hit a home run in the draft. Let me list the guys out. And uh, thanks to, uh, I'm looking at the article from one of your guys, from Kurt Perkjoy. So big up to Kurt. Offensive tackle Jake Dixon from Duquesne. I didn't even know Duquesne played football. Uh, <laughs> running back Mateo Durant. I mean, honestly, I just know Duquesne hoops. Uh, defensive tackle Donovan Jeter out of Michigan. Edge rusher Tyree Johnson, Texas A&M. Edge, T.J. Moultrie out of Auburn. Guard, Chris Owens out of Alabama. Three SEC guys. Cornerback, Chris Steele out of USC. Offensive tackle, Jordan Tucker out of North Carolina. Running back, Jalen Warren out of Oklahoma State. Cornerback, Bryce Watts out of UMass. Any of those names stand out? Any theme in particular from the guys that got selected from a position group standpoint? What's your overall thought? Uh, about any of these undrafted free agents? And do you think any of these guys might stick on the roster? Here, here's what I can say, Lance. I could quickly Google all of this and grab a couple hot takes from a couple of these players, talk about their height and weight, give their RAS scores, and come up with an opinion on the fly. Because I love this audience so much, and I enjoy doing this with you so much, I'm going to be completely honest with you. I literally have never heard of any player who's on that list. I don't Here's have the who any of them Here, are. Here's the thing that, and me either, I'm I'm, I'm going to be honest because I, I really don't even like college football, but I think the thing that stands out. I, I don't watch Duquesne football very much. I don't, I don't even know Duquesne is. played football. Here's what stands out. <laughs> you have a couple of corners. You have a couple of running backs. Typical. You have a couple of edge guys. I think Trey Edmonds is still on the team, too. And <laughs> He's so, still not the backup running back. We talked about running back in the draft. And, you know, we were kind of surprised that they didn't go in that direction uh, because we think that that position is a need for them. Um, so I think that kind of stands out. Uh, you know, I still think there's a – to me, I still think there's somewhat of a need at the cornerback position, but that may speak to more to the fact that that's a position that you're going to take a flyer on just because of the importance of uh, uh, of corners in this current National Football League, the way it's played. Um, but other than that, you know, undrafted free agent guys, the Steeler fan base is the one of the few fan bases that gets super excited about undrafted free agents. I take reason. it with a grain and salt. 
it, it, it Steelers fans, considering we just saw Donnie Shell get inducted finally into the, the Pro Football Hall of Fame, undrafted free agent. James Harrison became the first defensive player to win Defensive Player of the Year um, after having not been drafted. And I would argue that James Harrison, while he's not going to end up in the Hall of Fame, I certainly think he deserves a, a conversation. Um, a, a very underrated, talented player. Um, Willie Parker was, um, you know, he set a Super Bowl record. He led the team in rushing three straight years. He was a Pro Bowl player. These are undrafted guys that have excelled in Pittsburgh, a team that that weaponized the undrafted free agents uh, before it became kind of standard in the league. Um, I think, and yet another rant for another day, but the the strong advances within technology, um, the, the, the tech sphere as far as athletics goes, has brought about uh, far more eligible and uh, potentially talented players from ar- around the country that 20 years ago, 25 years ago, probably didn't get seen as much. You know, you remember when Steve McNair was a huge deal that he was having the career that he was having at Alcorn State? He was a top five draft pick. Air Trey McNair, Lance, baby. Air Trey Lance played one year at North Dakota State and was the third overall pick and the and the the um the focal point of a gigantic trade in order to be acquired. These players weren't heard of before. And I think now because there are so many of them, and there have been for a while, it's gone up, but um it, it's still significant the amount of undrafted players who make rosters, their rookie rookie seasons. Um, it, it really goes to show that there is a, a much more capitalistic version of the draft that goes on that produces talent and that there is something fun and exciting about that. Um, right now, I looking over the, the list, it looks very, very familiar as far as the types of uh, undrafted free agents the Steelers usually sign. Um, they get a couple offensive linemen and a couple cornerbacks developmental positions from their perspective that they have had a a pretty surprisingly high amount of success in doing Uh, cornerbacks and tackles they found in undrafted free agency. If they're willing to make the investment in them, that tends to be at least in the the shortened practice squad roster days that tended to be about a third to a, a, a quarter to a third of their practice squad were, were tackles and cornerbacks. Um, running back is another position I think that they want to address at that level just to, to develop somebody to have them aware of the playbook and, and ready to go. Uh, I just don't happen to know who these guys are now. And I will caution everybody in saying there will be four times as many undrafted free agents that come in and out of this team between now and the end of August. So let's not act like just because they signed right away. This means something. Um, a couple of them will probably get cut this weekend after rookie minicamp. So, you it know, means we'll, wait we'll, and we'll see. see. We'll see what happens. Yeah, it means wait and see. But I need your Neil Stradamus to put your Neil Stradamus hat on. And this is what we all came to listen to the program about. Did the Steelers ace the draft? And so I have a couple of sub questions. But before I ask you these questions, let me list the guys out in round one. 
pick 20, Kenny Pickett out of Pittsburgh. Round two, pick 52, George Pickens. And the meme of George Pickens <laughs> looking at his TV is hilarious. I didn't think that was real. I didn't think that was real, oh, and it God. turns out it is. Round three, <laughs> turns out pick 84, DeMarvin Lill. Round four, pick 138, Calvin Austin, the third wide receiver out of Memphis, and Lill is a defensive end out of Texas A&M. Round six, pick number 208, another brother reunites with a brother on a Pittsburgh Steelers tight end fullback out of Michigan State, Connor Haywood. In round seven, pick 225, linebacker Mark Robinson out of Mississippi. In round seven, pick 241, Chris Oladukun out of South Dakota State. And I'm sure I did not pronounce his last name correctly. I apologize. Oladukun. Exactly. Okay, I'm wondering, I'm, I'm wondering if he's Nigerian. Do you know if he's Nigerian or not? I'm, I'm not sure. Um, no, I don't think so. He certainly isn't first generation if he is. Okay. I know him because he happened to play at, among other schools, uh, South Dakota State, one arch rival of defending national State. champion North Dakota State. Oh, brother. And we there shut his go. butt down pretty good when they somehow beat us this past year. So there you go. Bison. I like him and don't like him at the same time. Overall thoughts of the class. When I look at the class, we've talked about offense offense lack of playmakers you look at this class seven picks you get a quarterback you get a big wide receiver you get a fast shifty uh slot receiver in calvin austin you get another offensive player in round six in hayward and you get another offensive player in round seven i think the steelers were thinking like we were that this was a, a draft in which they needed to fill the cupboards with some offensive players What's your overall thoughts just in general of this class, sort of from a 60,000-foot perspective? I'm, I'm glad they noticed the, uh, uh, the, the the slight issues that they had in terms of slight. playmakers, um, <laughs> the, the complete lack thereof. Um, I, I thought they addressed really what I expected them to address. Um, it's hard. You know, it, it, this is a whole topic in and of itself, Lance. We, you posed this question recently at, at some point this week. Um, how do you develop a grade? How do you give a grade? In the line of work that I'm in, which is really content creation, blogging, um, aggregation reporting, it, it, in that world, we give a grade because it's entertaining and people want to get something of a sense of excitement or foreboding uh, for a team based on the, the results of the biggest event of the NFL calendar. The draft is by far the, the biggest thing. Um, we give grades, not because they're accurate. We give grades based on what we think the team should have done and how we feel a player, a group of players fits into what we feel those needs are. It's not a task that should be taken literally. I think people make way, people make far bigger of a deal trying to squash the idea in the in, invalidation of grades than actually just taking it for what it is. Um, it, it's very easy to be 
pretty cavalier and, and, and admit your weaknesses. I don't know what they're going to be like in three years. You that's sound like me. Point. Okay. <laughs> they're giving point. a grade on the draft. Meaning, yes. to me, did did the players that they select fill the needs that I see that they have now, that they'll have next year, and they'll have in three years? It, it seems to me like quarterback fits that bill pretty well with the Steelers, right? Kenny Pickett, not somebody that, you know, the, the most trusted draft people that I know are not big on Kenny Pickett. I don't necessarily agree with that, but I can certainly see why they aren't all that big on him. The fact remains, Mitchell Trubisky is your quarterback. You needed another quarterback. You're drafting a 20 overall, not two, okay? Kenny Pickett fits 20 overall, much better than he fits two overall. What question are we answering? Did they fill a need, or did they just draft a a seven-time all-pro quarterback? I'm going to think that they filled a need more than they found, you know, the, the next Steve Young. I don't think that that happened, but it doesn't mean that it's a dumb pick. It's 20 overall, okay? I'm not sure what else they're going to do, what other player fits the need uh, at, at positionally and talent-wise at that spot in the draft. I look at that in each round because I'll, I'll say this. I think anybody knows if, if George Pickens doesn't haul off and, and beat the hell out of his opponent during a bowl game, if he isn't sort of a kind of a hothead, a little bit if if these character concerns aren't pretty obvious that dude's a first round pick and don't even try to tell me that he's not i don't think he should have made it to 52 an incredible talent i I don't know how you don't call that an a you know let's hope that he doesn't beat the hell out of cam sutton or something during practice but by and large it's a great pick um i i'm okay with that in the second round if it doesn't work it doesn't work but it that kind of talent you need to find a way to get that on the field working properly. Different subject. We can get into that at a different time. Um, you, the, the one I really like is Calvin Austin, though. That kid's going to play. He's good. He's really quick off the line. He's got great body control. He might end up being better than Pickens. I think they, they absolutely hit a home run with him in the fourth round of all places. I didn't get that feeling when I looked at McFarland a running back out of the fourth round, allegedly a playmaker who just doesn't play for whatever reason for the Steelers. Austin can play pretty early into his career. Um, it, he's got the, the explosive ability to create plays on his own. Um, I happened to get into an interesting, lively conversation with Robert Griffin III on, on Twitter um, as he continues his apologist tour for Hollywood Brown all the excuses that that guy has why he doesn't go out and make plays. I watched somebody like Calvin Austin, who I'm not at all suggesting is Hollywood Brown or anything like that, but this is a guy who catches the ball and simply evades tacklers. He makes plays <laughs> with the ball in his hand. Hollywood Brown doesn't do that. Hollywood Brown has the catch radius of a Nerf ball, and he isn't physical in the least. Okay. Well, I don't want you that guy inside. I don't want that guy outside. I watch a guy like Austin. Dude, he's a football player. I love that kid. Well, he's Neil, you couldn't be you couldn't be more tough on Hollywood Brown than Steve Smith was on the NFL network. And well, it was thank ab- God. It was thank God. Abs- I didn't see that. Absolutely that clip, hilarious. Send me that he, clip, please. He, he just said God, flat out Hollywood Brown was not about that action. 
Hollywood <laughs> Brown. Hollywood <laughs> Brown is. I'll I'll say this on the record, Lance. Hollywood Brown is legitimately one of the biggest pansies in the NFL. I wouldn't give that guy eighteen bucks an hour. And Robert Griffin, I'll I'll send you the the thread of the conversation. The amount of apologizing and excuse making that he was making for him, it's like this is embarrassing, dude. I know that you're speaking to him directly. He's filling you with all this nonsense. I don't I don't care what your excuses are about the quality of targets or any junk like that. The dude got the ball 146 times last year, and he dropped more passes than he caught for touchdowns. It's really hard to get past that. He's gutless. If if Arizona is leveraged in that they get two relatively cheap years out of him and their quarterback is pissed because they haven't given him an extension yet, they were bros in college, fine, fine, I get it. But Baltimore had to be beside themselves that somebody was giving them a first-round pick for him. Unbelievable. Yeah, I don't want to make this too much about Hollywood Brown, but I will say this. <laughs> I, I was that guy that really – you know, just really just destroy draft grades. But what I will say is this. I, I, I think when you introduce the element of time points, when you're looking at drafts, I think you can do it in a way that makes sense and is fair. So time points just meaning, what are you going to look at a draft class as a, the first time point when they get drafted? Apply a next time point, year three. Apply another time point, possibly year four or year five at the end of the at the end of the draft class. And then you can grade the draft fairly at each of the time points right now at this first time point. It's absolutely about needs. They have addressed several glaring needs on their football team with the selection of Pickett and the wide receivers. The picks that are interesting to me is the round seven pick. They said that they wanted to have another quarterback in there, possibly four, but definitely three. And the Hayward pick is interesting as well. I like Hayward as a football player. I I watched a little bit of Michigan State stuff. I think Hayward is a versatile player who will have a role on this team. Do you think, looking at this class, who makes it, who gets cut, who's a camp body? In your opinion, oh man, I, I it's so hard to tell. Um, well, absolutely, but we're going to just openly speculate like everyone else is. <laughs> Fair point. Um, typically, you see the first that the highest drafted guy cut typically in the fourth round. I don't think the Steelers are cutting their fourth round pick. I, I really, really like him, and I think they're even surprised he lasted until the fourth round. Um, beyond that, um, I, I think the linebacker is going to have a real tough time making that team. Um, will they get him in the seventh or was he the other sixth? Sixth. Yeah. I, I don't think he's going to make it. Uh, he's simply not big enough. I, I think you draft him. You hope that you can, uh, get him to clear waivers. Um, you know, basically what did not happen with Quincy Roche last year. Uh, so they could get him back on the practice squad and, and you know, maybe he contributes a little bit, but he's got some size issues he's going to have to overcome. I don't think he's going to make it. Um, I think it, I got in an argument with people about this as well. The, the, the support for Derek Watt is 
pretty remarkably strong among its fan base. They didn't draft Connor Haywood to keep Watt and Hayward on on this team. Okay. Absolutely. Watt is not making the team. Um, Drafting of Hayward really just means that Derek Watt is going through training camp to audition for another job somewhere else. Uh, They're not keeping both of them. Um, Hayward's a nice player. There are a lot of things that you have to like about him. He's got a lot more offensive versatility uh, than than Watt does. Um, You hope that he can be a special teams contributor as well. I don't see why he couldn't. He's a good athlete. He's a smart player. They used him a lot of different ways at at Michigan State. I I really like what they did with him uh, from a coaching standpoint. You can see why. He's a good athlete. Um, if if he had the size of his brother, I'm sure he'd be you know as highly regarded as as Cam was coming out. But uh, Connor can play. Um, I I could see them wanting him to be on uh, their their initial 53 going into the season. Um, but it, like last year, we talked about this last year as well, Lance. This team isn't deep enough to cut a whole lot of their draft picks. Um, I don't think it's as dire as it was last year that a lot of these guys play a ton of snaps, but you're going to see time uh, from, from all of them. You know, I, I think you're, the, the rookies are going to get on the field again um, a little bit more than, than historically has been normal for them. Um, how good they'll all be. I don't know. We'll see, but they absolutely needed two receivers. We talked about that all off season. I think both of them are, are going to play uh, pretty early on. I, you know, Pickett probably doesn't, but uh, not right away at least. He might get a shot. He might, you know, an opportunity might come up. We'll we'll see how camp goes. I'd imagine that that Pickett'll be uh, the the third string guy, but um, it, that that's not bad for a quarterback, in my opinion. It's a long term investment. You're hoping that he he is able and ready to start next season. But absolutely, um, yeah, I, I I think they get past Hayward as far as their draft picks that make the team. I I think up to that point, uh, those guys are all pretty set. So my draft, my draft grade. Looking at this draft, I'm I'm just gonna punk out and just put it at a B. <laughs> I'm gonna punk out and put it at a B. I think they addressed needs that they have on their football and the fir- football team for the first five picks. I think the first five picks address some needs that they have. So I'm gonna give it an overall a B. The reason why I'm not giving it a B plus or higher because I think there is one glaring need that they have and maybe the third round pick addresses that if they stand him up I think the Steelers have a significant issue and I want to get your point your thoughts on this uh, statement that I make as well as give me your grade I think they have a significant issue in terms of depth at the outside linebacker position and so I thought that they might try to address that maybe Lil is that guy but because I don't I don't know about Lil too much I'm just going to give them a B overall Maybe Lil is a guy that can provide quality depth at an outside linebacker position if they are able to stand him up. So I'm going to give them a B. I still have an issue with the fact that they have a glaring need at the outside linebacker position. What's your grade and what's your thought on my statement about the outside linebacker position? Well, it, Lil is is an internal. Um, it, his highest and best is going to be a situational in, internal pass rusher. He's not going to be a stand-up outside line, I wouldn't think anyway. Yeah, more um, likely not. That's just my guess. I, I like him as a situational player. I think he, he's a real interesting fit, and this is the right kind of defense um, to, to bring out um, his highest and best, probably on a low snap count, 
Um, maybe not even in year one. But the, the, there's a lot to like about uh, DeMarvin Leal. I, I think he's going to be an interesting addition over the next couple of years here. Um, as far as outside linebacker goes, they signed Gennard Avery. Um, that was largely in place to, to bolster depth. Uh, behind T.J. Watt and Alex Highsmith. There's not really a reason to think that they want to to put those two on the field less. And let's keep in mind that you've still got the pride of North Dakota State, Derek Tuska. Um, absolutely. So oh, absolutely. you do have experience depth uh, behind those players. Is that enough? You know, is that what you want to have? Is Gennard Avery uh, worth anything? I mean, he's a younger guy, uh, not incredibly productive in his career but he's a backup um really when when you think of of the way the Steelers like to set up their outside linebackers um you want to have James Harrison and TJ Watt and then you want to have Anthony Ciccolo backing them up especially no way you know things aren't great if he has to play but that's sort of what you can afford when you have James Harrison and TJ Watt as your your starters and there's no reason to take them off the field uh, bar injury. So um, I, I think it makes sense with that. I give it a B as well. I'll, I'll take the cop out answer as well. Um, just because I, I think they got some players that I really like. I think they got some guys with a few red flags. I think they addressed depth at positions they needed to. It was solid all around. And, you know, the, the, uh, the, the, the ceiling of which might not be quite high, but the floor is pretty high. And I think that makes for kind of a B draft. I, I don't think that they got, you know, away with uh, with with grand larceny as far as any of the players that they picked up. I, I think, you know, they, they took uh, quality players for the rounds that they're at. Obviously, we'll see. But they, they addressed the right needs, um, in my opinion. And I think they got pretty decent players. I, I'd say it's a B. B drafts. A history of B drafts and you mix in a franchise quarterback will make you Kevin yep. Colbert. Exactly. So um, and they, and they know that they play the formula to a T. You know sure. that's that's really what they did here, and I think they did the same thing last year. We talked about that as well. And the draft becomes an A if you look at the second time point that I applied of year three. If Kenny Pickett becomes what you want Kenny Pickett to be, then all of a sudden finding your next quarterback elevates that draft class at that time point into an A, in my opinion. If you can identify the quarterback, even if none of the other players pan out, if you identify the quarterback in that draft and you get a guy that's your that's your general, so to speak, for the next seven to eight years, then by golly, that draft is an A at that point. And it's all, you know, it's coupled by winning and losing. Of course, you want to win football games, and that's always going to factor in as well. But, Neil, I thought it was a solid show. You guys got anything that uh, you want listeners to tune into on, on, on the Wire Network, anything post-draft that, that you guys got going? We're, we're working on uh, internal stuff, kind of getting set up for the season. But um, it, we'll we'll mess around quite a bit. The schedule coming out is always kind of fun, sort of a tongue-in-cheek a, a amount of work uh, that has to go into uh, the schedule release, and the NFL certainly likes to. Oh, I love the schedule show. I love I, I love the schedule show, and this schedule show is going to be interesting. I'm gonna just tell you guys already. Y'all gonna be mad at me um, during <laughs> the scheduling show. You guys are going to be real pissed off <laughs> because we doing, we doing Thursday night. It's going to drop Thursday night. 
it's going to drop this Thursday. So, so, so yeah, maybe we'll do it live. Maybe we'll do it live. We'll try to figure it. We'll try to work that in. Maybe we'll do it live because, you know, my formula is pretty simple and I will, I, I'll tease, I won't tease it. Um, I'll just leave it hanging. Um, you know, pause, pause, a bunch of pauses after all that. Um, <laughs> so you guys can uh, figure out what my biggest criteria pause for, for picking out the draft. But with that, we're going to go ahead and conclude the program. I want to apologize for not being able to see our beautiful mugs, but um, you'll be okay. And also, before we get out of here, I want to wish a happy, 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 happy Mother's Day to my mom, to my beautiful wife, um, and to all the moms out there. And with that, we are going to go ahead and conclude the program. And as always, tune in, tell a friend, and subscribe.